0: Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Gotta make hay while the sun shines. What's this? This is Hello, Sunshine. What if by sharing our stories, we could change the world? Welcome to Hello, Sunshine. I'm Maeve Higgins, and this is My Best Breakup, the show about the breakups that transform our lives. Now, new beginnings can pop up at any moment in our lives. You know, sometimes you're just focused on your path. You're sure that this is your life's mission. You're crossing milestones. You're settling into what you think will be your forever home. For my guest this week, that home was a convent and that life was being a nun. She was sure of it. And in a way, she was lucky that that new beginning came at just the right time for her. She was in her early twenties. She was ready to rebuild a new life for herself, but still, That did not make it easy. Kelly Dunham is a genderqueer stand-up comic. She's a nurse and she's an ex-nun. And when she realised life in the convent wasn't the right fit, she had to break up with Jesus. I was so curious to meet Kelly because All of the nuns that I know um, from growing up in Ireland and their nuns in my family are tiny little old ladies dressed in navy blouses, navy sweaters, navy skirts, navy tights, navy shoes, and they drive navy blue cars. (laughs) I thought that was the rule. And then Kelly came blasting into the studio and she was wearing like a T-shirt and sort of combat trousers. And I was like of course you're not a nun anymore. <laughs> like, How could you ever have been a nun? It was so shocking to me. Um, and also she just emanates this sort of warmth. Then she's got this big laugh. Whereas, again, the nuns in my life are, they're not spooky, but they're quiet. <laughs> Kelly's love affair started when she was very young. She had a sort of schoolgirl crush on the big guy upstairs.
1: I always was obsessed with nuns. I remember the first time I heard that they wore wedding rings. I just like, I would follow nuns around. Um, do they? Yeah,
0: they wear wedding rings because I'm married to Jesus. Most nuns do. Yeah. So you were a very religious little child? Mm, I was, yeah. And how did that evolve as you grew up? So
1: we moved to Florida when I was 12 and we started going to even a kind of more like my mom had the official born again experience and put us in a conservative Christian church um who look, took one look at me and they're like oh we have a scholarship to this small christian school ended up going like to the lord's boot camp which i recently found out was a conversion camp but uh i didn't even notice it at the time i was having such a great like fantastic what? summer yeah when you say they took one look at you what, what did they see I, I think there was like a oh my god look at this big huge dyke like let's save her from her like I, i've always looked i looked exactly like this except for like i have more wrinkles now right so My first year at Warner Christian Academy, they made the rule that girls couldn't wear flannel shirts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) clearly there was... So
0: specific. So specific. But wait, you said you enjoyed your time at Conversion Camp? I did. So uh, my mom gave me the brochure for
1: Teen Missions, which is like the Lord's Boot Camp. And she said like, oh, this sounds like something you would like. And I looked at it and I was like, this sounds like something I would like. (laughs) And so I raised my own money and I spent a summer and we learned how to use power tools And we like, you know, ran an obstacle course um, with like the children of Israel's luggage. And, you know, we spent all summer doing that kind of thing. Like basically it was like tomboy training camp. Um, And I came home and I was like, oh, don't I look like a new person in Christ? My mom's like almost crying. And she's like, you look kind of the same. Wow. Um, And I did not until I was writing a show about it last year. Mm -hmm. And I Googled it for my girlfriend. I was like, oh, you got to see the obstacle course. And I said, "Um, teen missions. And it was on a list of bargain conversion camps for working class parents. And I was like, you know what? My mom convinced me like she sent me to a conversion camp that I went willingly. She uh had me you know, I raised my own money. And for 30 years I thought it was my own idea. So fair play to you homophobic parent. You know fair play to you like, okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. You had one job, evangelical mom. <laughs> um so, you know, I just wanted to get to the part where you decide to become a nun. nun. So I was living in Haiti um,
1: and working at a school for kids with disabilities. What age were you? Uh, I was 19. Wow. Yeah. So um, a friend was like, oh, this school for kids with disabilities, um, they need somebody to run recreational stuff and you don't need any special skills. And I was like, that's me. I don't have any special skills. Um, And so also Haiti was in the middle of a civil war. Um, and there was a bomb that went off really close to the National Palace, and that's Mm -hmm. where the school, school was very close there, and they sent all the kids back to the provinces. So I'm at the school, it's like November, Mm -hmm. no kids there, and there was an American dentist visiting, and he was stirring his coffee, and he's like, Kelly, do you want to go to the Home for the Dying with me? And that was enough of an adolescent to kind of convert that question into like a challenge, and I said yes, you know, um, and then we got there, It it was run by nuns. I was like yeah. you didn't tell me it was run by nuns. Why did you tell me it was run by nuns? And he's like, they're just people. And then one of the sisters. So it's the missionaries of charity, right? So it's like uh, Mother Teresa's gang of nuns, right? Um. So as I walked in, is that what it's called, the gang of gang of nuns? <laughs> <Or> gang? <laughs> I believe they're was a gang? congregations,
0: not so, gang. Okay. <laughs> so you met some of the gang members. Yeah. So as
1: I walked in, one of the gang members, who's probably <laughs> like not even as tall as me, like maybe four foot oh. ten carrying a 60 pound bag of concrete over one shoulder and then she's like oh sister we Jesus must have sent you because um some bodies blew up in the morgue and we needed somebody to help clean up and then she took the 60 pound bag of concrete slid it down her body and up on her older other shoulder and then took me by the hand to come help her clean up uh and it was like that was that was my moment right I mean there was more but I think that was the moment I'd like you know one of those moments in your love affair where you're like I'm done for now there's yeah i'm gonna follow this to its conclusion even if it kills me
0: oh my god <laughs> at that point where were you with your identity were you out as a queer person not even i wasn't out as a queer person not even to myself okay um
1: i hadn't had sex with a dude really um i hadn't had completed sex with a dude <laughs> uh i mean what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do i know about heterosexuality I don't think yeah so, yeah uh so what you were still i've always kind of had this gender identity which i feel like has been the like i always was a tomboy and always felt like i don't know if girl completely describes to me but also it didn't seem like it fit in anywhere right like it didn't see i didn't i didn't hear the word lesbian until i was probably like 13 or 14 right um and so it was kind of like a non-issue you yeah. know i wasn't thinking about and also i mean the nice thing about being a nun right is you get to be around all these women and in Missionaries of Charity all these young beautiful women all yeah. the time so it didn't seem like I was like oh I'm just gonna spend the rest of my life with like singing hardworking, beautiful women so like, oh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> I mean that should have been the ticket that should have been a little tip <laughs> off
0: right <laughs> this part is amazing to me I grew up Catholic and I thought Mother Teresa was a total rock star but I never wanted to become a nun Kelly did She converted to Catholicism while she was in Haiti. After working with the sisters in Haiti for a few years and then volunteering with them in Miami for a few more, Kelly moved to New York to live at the convent.
1: I mean, there were many beautiful moments, playing basketball on MC Easter, you know, with all the sisters playing basketball like banana pants people. But... um, You all played, like, against each other?
0: Yeah. um, Are you just, like,
1: shot hoops? <laughs> no, we played like so the Missionaries of charity they kind of do everything the same way, right? Like yeah. banana pants, hard, ass to the wall. Yeah. And um so it was MC Easter, so the day after Easter, we went to this now I think it was like a retreat center on Long Island and um one of the my group sisters was walking around uh picking up a ba- you know, bouncing a basketball and just gathering the sisters. And yeah, you know, there's like a sister from Columbia who's like, Oh, I've never played, I've never played before and then like when I went to take a jump shot, she like, you know, slammed it back in my face and she was like, Oh, maybe I played defense <laughs> and uh, then she, like, scraped open my palm uh, trying to steal the ball from me, and she's like, Sister Merce, you have the stigmata. You have the stigmata. <laughs> and then the oldest sister in the order at that time, somebody stepped on the hem of her habit, and so she kept running, and she made the layup, and then one of the sisters is like, Sister, and she was like, Made the basket, didn't I? <laughs> wow. So it was, like, this amazing thing where all these sisters just, and also had so much energy, right? Um, yeah. It was beautiful. It was, like... Uh, I described it, you know, we were allowed to write home once a month. Well required to write home once a month. Mm-hmm. And my entire home letter that after Easter was the basketball game. Jesus.
0: Um, and what did it feel like um like to not be a good fit in this thing at this point you had devoted four years of your life right. to the order and then you were like in and committed and then you were like, wait. <laughs> what, what happens
1: well it's very dramatic right you're like i will sell all my clothes i will say goodbye to all my pa- all, all my family and you're like i'm going off to the convent oh mm-hmm. you know it's it's very dramatic so yeah so the um missionaries of Charity have a very strict idea strict and kind of old-fashioned one some might say pre vatican too way of uh-huh. seeing obedience you know that anything that your mistress tells you it's the, she's the voice of God in all things, but sin, right? So whatever she told you, you're just supposed to do. Like one day we came home from the soup kitchen and they said, today, sisters, because we love Jesus, we're going to move the dorm into the dining room and the dining room into the
0: dorm, like for no reason. Right. Because we love Jesus. Because we love Jesus. Did you feel like you love, like, did you feel like you were in love with Jesus? I did feel like
1: I was in love with Jesus, but I felt like they knew somebody different. Like, you know, like, mm. Mm, your Jesus might be a little bit different than my Jesus. Um... You were like,
0: my Jesus wouldn't make me do this pointless. I don't think my Jesus furniture. is so
1: mean, you know? Um, Yeah, and they would say that I had like insufficient docility and too much self esteem, you know, the way that I reacted. Insufficient docility. Too docile. Too do. No, no not docile enough. Insufficient and docility. Okay. And too much self esteem was also like the corollary, <laughs> which that's almost never said, oh. you know, like, Nobody's ever said that like at work, you know, until you're just, you have a lot of self-esteem and it makes you an effective employee and an empowered individual and that's just not working. But like that's, yeah, that's something you're only going to hear in the comment, I think.
0: Insufficient as Mm-hmm. And did you, were you like, oh, it's true, I must change or how did you I react tried. to that? I tried, I
1: really tried. Like there was, like you were just supposed to, in anything of any of these banana pants things that they said, like, you know, move the furniture for no reason or... One of the things was we're only going, we're going to mortify ourselves by owing going to the bathroom once a day. <gasps> I mean, I, I was, I thought she, my sister on was kidding. And so I said, Oh, call me sister Mary bladder infection. And then um, she was like, you know, you're you're wounding Christ with you, with your words. Like, it, you know, um, but I often thought, I did often think they were kidding. And also I tried, but even when I said the right thing, they would say that I would walk away like my shoulders were angry, which it seems like maybe that's about something different, you know?
0: Yeah. That's like being too much for a bunch of nuns. Yeah. Which, go figure. So at that point, were you thinking like, I'm falling out of love with Jesus? (laughs) Or what, you know, were you just like, these nuns, they're bananas and like, I don't understand the rules.
1: Um, I don't feel like... I mean, I felt like I peeked behind the curtain a little bit and then was like, oh, this guy, you know, this guy, I don't know, you know, uh, Catholicism is so much about meditating on the suffering of Christ and how we cause the suffering of Christ. And it just seems a little codependent. Like, I didn't tell you to die for me. Like, nobody, nobody asked you for this. You know? Like, if you're going to hold this over my head for the rest of my life and also eternity, you should have fucking asked first. <laughs> Which I said to my mistress one time in like a little. You did. Yeah. I might not have said fucking, but and she was like turned white, very yeah. like ashes. Uh, perhaps she was like, "Sister, just share what was ever on your mind," and then I shared, and then she was like, "Yeah." Yeah, what? I felt like I'd punched her in the head. You know, I felt mm-hmm. actually kind of bad afterwards, but it just felt like this. Yeah, like I'm I'm giving you what I got, you know, and it did yeah. feel like, um. This kind of thing, like, okay, here, Jesus, here's my life, here's my life, I want to give my whole life to you.
0: I don't want that. So things aren't going well. Kelly loves Jesus, but she's not so sure she loves being a nun. There are moments of brightness, like when Kelly and her fellow nuns are playing basketball, but Kelly is about to reach her rock bottom. It's the moment she decides she needs to break up with all of this. Kelly and her sisters at the convent are volunteering at a woman's shelter in Harlem, and Kelly has her period. Now, an important detail to know here is that the nuns in her convent were not allowed to use toilet paper, let alone tampons. So
1: we had used like basically children's diapers. You know, like we just wadded up diapers and put them in our underwear. You know,
0: in your and, underwear. Yeah,
1: and I it was like the summer, and I'd been bleeding for like two months solid, which should have been a little tip that there was something wrong. And we were cleaning the women's shelter, so it's where homeless women live, Yeah. and there's a tampon sitting on the dresser. And um, as I was cleaning, I took the tampon and uh, slipped it into my habit, and I was like, oh, I'm going to borrow that tampon. And then I was like, Kelly, that's some borrowing. You're not going to use it and give it back. No, You're not gonna that would be was like,
0: even worse than yeah. just stealing it.
1: <laughs> and I was like, I just stole a tampon from a homeless woman. Like, oh. this is not making me more holy, right? Like, there is something wrong here. Whatever it is, like, I am not a person that steals tampons from homeless women yeah or i don't want to be even if i am that's not what i want and so that was a thing that i was like okay this isn't making me happy but also this is not holiness
0: was there a moment that you walked out or yeah so
1: i said to after the homeless the stealing the homeless woman's tampon um i said to my aspirant mistress i was like sister annales do you think this is working out and she's like let me think about that no
0: immediately right immediately uh, they didn't fight for you no no and,
1: yeah there's actually a story of somebody when I, I moved to philadelphia right afterwards about who left and how the missionaries of charity came in a van around looking for her and one of my friends is like i knew so, there there's no missionaries of charity in a van looking for you i was like oh that wasn't the situation they're like changing the locks <laughs> right? exactly bye <laughs> bye bye she said like
0: yeah you can go yeah, she you said, can, yeah, you can
1: go. And then you have to, there's a little bit of a process. Like, yeah, I had to fill out some paperwork. I mean, like one page of paperwork or something. And wow. go put on my regular clothes. And, um, which had been crumpled up in the attic for a year and a half. So that was, that looked great. Um, and then wow. my aspirant mistress took me to Port Authority. And she sat there at the Greyhound, a bus counter. And she was like, so where do you want to go? I was like, I don't know where I want to go. I, I gave up my whole life to be here. Uh, and she was like, well, doesn't your sister live in Philadelphia? And I was like, yeah, she does. She's like, okay, one ticket to Philadelphia, please. One way, one way. And I uh, got on the Greyhound bus and cried. I just feel so sorry for the person sitting next to me, right? Like, what are you? It isn't even a typical thing somebody's crying about, you know, like, I'm crying because Jesus doesn't want
0: me. <laughs> oh. Which maybe what we're all crying about. But And that sadness on the bus, like, do you think that was that you felt like Jesus was rejecting you? Or was it just like a failure? Like, what were you crying about? Well, I think there is this kind of, I mean, it was failure. Were you sad that you didn't love him as much as you thought you did? That's a good question.
1: I felt like we were incompatible. You know, like the love was there, but that we were incompatible, which I feel like that is, you know. Those are the saddest (sighs) breakups.
0: Kelly's experience as a knot helped her discover more about who she was. Once she left and went to Philly, she got a job, joined a softball team, found another religious community and realized that she was gay. But it took a while before I really,
1: and also because I didn't feel like I could talk about it, I felt so ashamed. Like I didn't know anybody. I, I had a notebook that had a New Yorker cartoon and the person's in a job interview and it says, am I a team player? Are you kidding? I belong to a cult, and I had crossed out cult and put convent (laughs) because that's what I. But now I realize, like everything I was looking for them, I'm still looking for now. You know, so like I wanted intentional community. I mean, New York is the land of unintentional communities because everyone lives with unrelated fours together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But everything I was looking for, and I've just recently, it's a combination of being me and a stand-up comic. I've been doing people's weddings, and uh, like you've been officiating, officiating, yeah. Um, and somebody asked me, like, by what virtue do you have? I was like, well, you know, legally, because there's some place where you can go online and, you know, become an officiant. But I was like, I think I'm queer secular clergy. And, uh, that's kind of what I feel like I am, you know, especially yeah. as I've gotten older. I feel like, no, I'm like, you know, everybody's aunt or uncle. I guess I'm an uncle. I don't know. Somewhere in between there.
0: Um, bruncle. It's so sad that, like, it would, it would be such a of benefit to the church if you were a nun, I feel like. You know, like a lot of breakups, I think are really good for one party, but like, what a loss for mm. them, you know. Mm. Um, but like as you said, everything that you want, could you define what it was that you wanted to do? And well, the, why you thought? Mm-hmm. Right, I I would say that the shortcut is
1: often. I was looking for a life that made sense, right? So I was mm-hmm. living in Haiti. I was like watching, so many missionaries, right? Re- just basically just shitting colonialism on everybody Mm -hmm. right but the missionaries of charity actually even though there's drawbacks to the way they work we're really working with the people Mm -hmm. you know hand in hand kind of like as a almost like a mutual aid model um so i was looking for like a way to serve and a way to um be in community so i would say like service and community were always what i was looking for it's such a luxury to be able to fail kind of when you're young and haven't like you can only go down so far because you haven't Mm. climbed up, you know. I feel like having that experience of failure um, is almost like an inoculation, right? Like getting Mm. a vaccination, a little dose of failure at the beginning of your life, you're like, okay, so I can fail, it won't kill me. I can be really, I can be the worst nun in the world and still bounce back from that.
0: So we touched on this briefly, but like about the role religion plays in your life now, but like specifically Jesus, like what do you think about him now? I don't know, that guy. (sighs) Was it a clean break? Is he, like, your past?
1: Mm, You know, there's always always that kind of, like, oh, well, if he, like, made a little reach toward me, we could, like, go to the movies together, you know? Yeah. Before I left, Sister Sylvia, who has since died, who was the regional at that time, she was like, she cradled my head in her hands, and she said, we're just not ready for you yet, Sister Mercy, we're just not ready for you. Mm which was actually really something beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they're going to be ready for me in 20 years, but I still have that little, like, my my girlfriend always says, Kelly disappears, I'll know to go to look in the convent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I still have that little, like, oh, maybe they'll be ready for, maybe, um, you know, just like you do in any of your, like, most profound love affair, right? right.
0: I loved chatting with Kelly. I really felt for her because from the time she was a little girl, she saw herself living out this life as a nun in a committed relationship to Jesus. But then once she got to the convent and it all became real after she had her like wedding ceremony and like settled in and, you know, slept with him a few times, she realized that the chemistry was all wrong. She'd married the wrong guy. What a terrible sinking feeling that must have been. Oh. Yikes. It's like that time I was engaged to Michael Fassbender and then suddenly I was like, you know what, actually, Michael, keep it. (laughs) I think the moment when Kelly realised that being a nun had kind of turned her into this person she didn't recognise, somebody she didn't even want to be, that's a moment that lots of us can relate to. And what I love about her story is that leaving helped her to find herself again. Leaving the convent helped her realise that she was gay. It helped Kelly find this community that she'd been looking for. And it gave her these amazing opportunities. She became a nurse. She started to do stand-up. And she is still Kelly. She's still out there helping people. And she's able to do that now as her whole self. My guest this week was Kelly Dunham. You can find her on Twitter at Kelly Dunham. That's Kelly with an I. And for more about the show, head over to our website, hello-sunshine.com. We'll be back next week with another story about breaking up and moving on. Next week, we talk about breaking up with a dentist. And that conversation is so fun. I talked to Jenny Han. She's the author and creator of the book and movie To All the Boys I've Loved Before. When you meet somebody who is giving you so much time, like she would spend hours on my teeth. Oh. You know what I mean? It wasn't like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It was like I was sitting in the, in the chair for like several hours while she would clean my teeth and oh my yeah so it was it was that attention level and when someone says something is really wrong and you really need to fix it too i think people listen to that use the hashtag my best breakup and tell us about your best breakup who knows maybe you'll be next on our show and make sure to subscribe and review apple slash breakup or wherever you listen to podcasts five stars please my Best Breakup is a production of Hello Sunshine. It's executive produced by Amy S. Choi, Charlotte Coe, Rebecca Lair, and Reese Witherspoon. Senior producer is Lindsay Cradowell, and sound design is by Justin Gonzalez and Samantha Gatzek. Music composed by Jeff Tang. Production support by Shelby Sandlin and Mary Phillips-Sandy. When Mother Teresa came to the Bronx, when I finally got my sorry and
1: took my name, <laughs> She was like, "Oh, sister, I've heard of you," and it was like this awkward moment. And I was like, "Well, I've heard of you too." I don't know. <laughs>